Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. If it wasn't for Andrew's teachings, I would never be where I am today. I would never have victory. I would be living a life of defeat. It was Andrew's teaching that allowed me to develop that faith. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Tuesday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. This week, I'm continuing a teaching I started last week, and I've entitled this, Where Do We Go From Here? Lessons from the 2020 Elections. And I've already talked about a lot of things. I don't want to go back and rehearse all of that, but I know that there are many people that think, oh man, let's move on beyond this. But there are some things that are so obvious after this last election that uh, it would be detrimental if we don't learn these lessons and make some adjustments and do some things because of it. I really believe that. You know, I was actually disappointed. I've said this before, but I'm making these programs just two days after the November elections in the United States. And at this time, we don't even know who won the presidency. So I'm not talking about individuals, but I'm just saying that there was a clear choice between godly uh, policies and ungodly policies. Regardless of what you think about the personality of any of the individuals, one was for killing children up until and even after birth. The other one uh, was against uh, all of the abortion stuff that's going on. One was promoting homosexuality, transgenderism, etc. One was promoting anarchy. Uh, you know, it was all of the democratic uh, areas that had all of the rights for those of you that are watching in other countries, it may look like there were riots all over America, but it was in isolated places. And the places where it got bad was because there were Democratic governors and mayors there that allowed it to go on because they were calling them peaceful protests. And they were looting and burning things and uh, killing people. And those are peaceful protests. Anyway, there was the clearest choice between light and dark that we've ever had. And I honestly thought that because the contrast was so great that there would be a huge number of people that voted, uh, you know, in line with getting rid of this radical left-wing agenda that promotes all this bad stuff. And it wasn't. As a matter of fact, the majority of Americans voted for the liberal, for the person who was promoting all of these totally ungodly things. And regardless who winds up winning the presidency, one of the lessons that I learned from this is that America's in a bad spot. I knew it was in a bad spot, but I didn't realize how bad, and I, it's further down the road than I saw. So I think that we need to take that lesson, and, and this ought to be a wake-up call for all of the believers man, we need to pray. We need to take action. We need to speak out. We need to get more involved than we've ever been. And then the second lesson is that I believe that the church is directly responsible for the way that, that not only the United States, but wherever you're living, whatever country you're in, the church is the salt and the light. And I've talked about this. I talked about from Ezekiel chapter 3 and also chapter 33, where the Lord told Ezekiel that I've made you a watchman on the wall. And if, I, if you see the enemy coming and if you don't warn the people, they may get killed, but your, their blood will be on your hands. But if you warn them and they don't take notice of what you said, well, then their blood will be on their own heads. 
And I've talked about this individually, that every member of the body of Christ is salt and light, and we need to start speaking out. You know, there are millions and millions of people watching this program. There are the potential of half of the world's population to watch this program, but certainly millions of people, and it goes into every country, and it goes into every situation through work, through family, through the people that you deal with on a daily basis. If every person that was watching this program and would agree with the things that I'm saying would just stand up and begin to start being the salt and the light, that God told you to, I guarantee you it would make a difference in the entire world, in any individual nation, and especially in the United States. We've got enough Christians, people who are truly born again and love God, that if they were to get on fire for God and stand up, I guarantee you it could change this nation. We could have a revival. And so... But there's a lot of Christians that will even come out against what I'm saying and saying, no, we don't need to stand. We just need to talk about heaven and hell issues. We need to tell people about eternal things and not deal with any of these social issues and things that are going on. That is just wrong to the 10th power. You know, there was a Barna survey that actually asked this question and it says, how many, and it was two ministers, it was pastors of churches, how many of you believe that there is a biblical answer to every social ill that we have? And 90% of the surveyed pastors said that the Bible had an answer for everything. It should have been 100% because every social ill that we've got, it is answered in Scripture. But 90% of the surveyed pastors said that the Bible had an answer for every social problem that we were facing, racism, uh, hunger, uh, you know, anything. Uh, adultery, the unwed mothers, children out of wedlock, uh, violence, on and on. The Bible has an answer for every single one of those things. 90% of the ministers said yes. But then the next question was, how many of you teach on these things? And only 10% said that they ever taught on it. Now, see, that is a disparity, and that, that amplifies and isolates where the problem is. Ministers know that the Word of God says that things that we are seeing are wrong, but they won't speak out on it because they're afraid. They're afraid people are going to leave their church. They're afraid they're going to lose money. I don't know all of the reasons. They're just afraid. They, do, they don't want to rock the boat. They just want to live their lives and and have a nice little church, but not do anything that would be controversial. I ended yesterday's program quoting this verse out of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, that says, Yea, all those who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you aren't being persecuted, it's because you aren't living godly. And in the United States, we haven't had persecution the same as people in other places in the world have had, like uh, I just mentioned that a friend of mine in, in Nice, France, they just had a Islamic terrorist go in and kill three people, wound a lot of other, beheaded one of them just because they were Christians and they had shown some kind of a cartoon that depicted Mohammed in a bad light or something like that. There are people around the world that are being beheaded and, and terrible things. In the United States, it's not quite that way. And because of it, there's a lot of Christians that have just been thinking that this persecution is in foreign countries, but I guarantee you it's right here. 
you know, I hesitate to say some things because we're in the midst of a legal battle right now and we've, we've been fighting for about two or three months and we just got ruled against. They said that we are not a Christian or a religious ministry, that we are no different than a conference center that just has a few worship songs and so that we aren't protected under the First Amendment. That's what the judge ruled. And, and anyway, we're appealing that and we're starting a meeting tonight that they have threatened terrible things. It's like communism. They're going to have people, in, observers in, make sure that we do everything they say. And if we don't do it right, they're going to shut us down. And so I'm, I'm dealing with all of these things. What I'm saying is this is no longer about people in other countries. These are people right here in the United States that are being persecuted to stand up for religious freedom and rights. And if you aren't being persecuted, I guarantee you, there is now the majority of the votes that were cast in this last election voted completely against biblical principles. And if you stand on biblical principles and if you stand up and speak the truth, I guarantee you there's going to be persecution. If you aren't being persecuted, it's because you aren't living godly. Amen. I don't, I'm not saying that to condemn you, but rather to open your eyes and say that we can't be passive and we can't just be quiet. Some people say, but I'm just, I'm not going to say things. I just want my life to be the witness. Well, I will say this, that there are some people who speak the truth, but then their life is completely contrary. That's hypocritical and that is not a good witness. And I agree that you need to have a lifestyle that backs up your words but I disagree that you only demonstrate it through your actions. You never say anything because if you don't give credit to the Lord, if you don't give glory to God for your morality and for the stands that you're taking, well, then you're in a sense taking the credit for yourself. You're taking the, the glory for yourself and God's not going to share his glory with another person. This is, this is the difference between true humility and arrogance. Did you know that a humble person, it doesn't mean that you never acknowledge that there's anything good in your life. If God has blessed you, if he's given you great talents and you are a great artist or a great singer or a great uh, businessman, and if you can do things, it's wrong for you to sit there and not even mention it and somehow or another try and hide it and stuff. That's, that's not humility. That's false humility. That's religion. There's nothing wrong with you saying, God's blessed me. I've got a great talent. Look at what God has done in my life. Look at the things God has done. It's not wrong for you to acknowledge the good things that are done in your life, but the difference between arrogance and humility is humility gives the credit to God and it glorifies God. Arrogance will take the credit for itself. And if you are living a moral life, but if you aren't giving the glory to God with your words and telling people, it's God that calls me to not lie. The reason I have integrity is because God has worked in my life. Well, then you, in a sense, are taking the credit for these things that God has wrought in your life for yourself. You aren't giving God the glory. That's wrong. I was using these verses the other day where a lawyer came to Jesus and said, what is the greatest commandment in all of the Old Testament? And the Lord said in Matthew chapter 22 and in verse uh, 37, it says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, 
This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And the reason I bring this out is because people have used these verses to say things that in a way they're trying to make modern day Christians today more godly than Jesus was. What I mean by that is they're saying, oh, but you should never offend anybody. You should never say anything that would ever make a person feel bad. You should go out of your way to apologize. And, and we're, we're just supposed to always say things so kind and so polite. Jesus wasn't like that. Now, if a person was repentant, he took the woman in the very act of adultery and he extended mercy towards her. But he didn't say, woman, it's not sin what you're doing. Just go on and keep being a prostitute. Keep living in adultery and, and you're fine. I love you and accept you the way you are. No, that's not what he did. He says, go and sin no more. He called it sin and he extended mercy towards her. So people who would receive it, people who were repentant, God extended mercy towards the publicans, the tax collectors, people that were prostitutes. Uh, man, he was merciful to people if they were repentant, if they were receptive. But Jesus turned around and said, you scribes and Pharisees, called them hypocrites, vipers, whited sepulchers full of dead men's bones. He stood against things and spoke against evil, called out things that were wrong. And when people take what he said and somehow or another tell you that you're never supposed to say anything that would make a person feel uncomfortable, if they have a lifestyle that is different than yours, homosexual, transgender, all of these different gender designations that they have, we don't want to ever make anybody feel uncomfortable. And so we'll just, we'll just love them and never say anything. You are trying to make a person more loving than Jesus was. When he quoted this verse, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself, people have taken that and have misused it. But let me just turn over and read where that verse came from. He was quoting an Old Testament scripture in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. And it says, thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. This is the verse that he quoted. And let me just put it in context for you. If you take a text out of context, all you have left is a con. And this is what a lot of people have done. Look at this in Leviticus chapter 19 in verse 17. It says, Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart, but thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. So the verse right in front of this about love your neighbor as yourself says, you shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall in any wise, that means under any circumstances, regardless of what the consequences are, regardless of whether it's politically correct, you shall under any wise rebuke your neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. If you take this in context, it's saying that if you see a person who is living in sin, they are headed for destruction. The wages of sin is death, Romans chapter 6, verse 23. And that's not only eternal death. Even if a person is a Christian and they've been forgiven of their sin so that they aren't going to go to hell, they're going to go to heaven, they aren't going to experience eternal death. 
sin still has consequences even for a Christian. And it's death. It's not the life that God intended. It's not the abundant life, the eternal life that God intended for us to have. And so if you see a Christian or even a non-Christian and they are living in sin, it says you shall not hate them in your heart, but you shall under any wise rebuke them and not suffer sin upon them. This goes back to what I was preaching last Friday on our program from Ezekiel chapter 3, that God has set us like watchmen on the wall. And if we see the enemy coming, if we see Satan is out to destroy a person's life through some type of sin, and if we don't warn them, then we're responsible for what happens. If we do warn them and they don't heed our warning, well, then they're responsible for what happens to them. But we have a responsibility to tell people the truth. And if we don't do that, then we aren't loving our neighbor as ourselves. How would you like your neighbor to treat you if they saw that, say, for instance, there was a snake or something that was coming that was going to kill you and they saw it, but they didn't say anything because they, they didn't want to fright you. It might startle you. It might cause you to run in panic or something. I guarantee you that's not how you would want them to treat you. And this is what he's saying. You need to treat them the way you would like to be treated. If you knew something was destroying you, you would want somebody to tell you. And likewise, you need to love your neighbor enough that you would tell your neighbor the truth. You know, I've used this example before, but I live in the mountains of Colorado and we have a four-lane highway that goes up the pass to where I live it's a divided highway. And I was driving home late one night and it was totally dark. There was no moon out. There was no stars. There was clouds. There was fog. You could just barely see a few feet in front of you. And a person passed me going like 50 or 60 miles an hour. And it was on a curve. And when they got around the curve, their brake lights came on. Their car jerked to the right real severe. I could tell they hit something. So I slammed on my brakes and I came to rest on the shoulder. They were in the right lane and there was a horse in the left lane that this guy had hit and the horse was nearly dead. It was still alive, but it was struggling. And the man, the windshield had been uh, caved in and he was covered in blood and uh, horse excrement. It was, it was a mess. He was just... It was a bad situation, and I was trying to help this guy. And while I was standing there, a Suburban came around the corner going about 50 or 60 miles an hour and hit that horse, and it just launched this Suburban in the air. It was five or six feet high off the ground and maybe 20 or 30 feet in length. And the woman who was driving it, she was able to regain control and came to a stop. I ran up to check on her, and her head had gone up and hit the roof of the vehicle and she had a bump in that vehicle where her head had bent the metal in the roof. And so I was trying to help her. And as I was helping her, I heard another car coming around the corner and I knew that the same thing was going to happen. And so what I did, I ran down around the corner, downhill, and I started jumping out in front of cars. And you've got to remember, it was totally dark. There was a thick fog. People couldn't see very far. And so, I mean, I was putting my life at risk and I would have to jump out from in front of that car at the last moment, roll off the road. People were slamming on their brakes. They hit the horn. People yelled at me and said terrible things. And I'm, I'm sure they waved at me with one finger, but it was too dark. I couldn't see it. 
And anyway, I, there were some bad reactions. And then when they drove around the corner and saw all of the wrecks and the dead horse in the road, I'm sure some of those same people who cursed me and said things about me probably thanked God that I jumped out in front of them and slowed them down so that they didn't have a wreck. And it was probably about at least 20 minutes or 30 minutes until the police got there. And during that time, I couldn't even tell you, but there were dozens of cars that I was jumping out in front of. And the point that I'm making is that, you know what? People got mad at me. People misunderstood my intentions. I'm sure that I had bad things said about me, and I don't enjoy that. I was putting my life at risk. I don't enjoy that. But if you truly love a person, how could you just sit there and me drive around this and go on home and let people come? And there could have been people killed. There could have been 20 or 30 cars that had wrecks. Somebody could have died through the whole thing. If I say that I truly care about other people, how could you not say something because somebody might get offended? Because some woman who's driving up that pass by herself on dark night, foggy, sees some man trying to stop her car and she could have had wrong thoughts about me, thinking about what I was going to do. And it could have bothered her and made her heart rate increase. And some people are just saying, I'd never do anything that could ever offend a person. It might be misunderstood. It might be uh, misapplied in some way. You can say what you want to, but if you wouldn't stand up and try and stop a person from doing something that could kill them, the truth is you love yourself. You don't love them. If it's God's kind of love, you'll speak out and tell the person the truth. And you know, certainly not every person likes me. I get plenty of criticism, but I've had many people, I mean thousands of people, that I've rebuked, not personally, but in my messages, I'm saying that this is right, this is wrong, Satan's out to destroy your life. I'm warning them and telling them to repent and to change. And I've had thousands of people who I've said things about them that I'm sure they didn't like, but they received it because they knew that I was saying it in love. They knew that I was saying it because I desired to help them. The easiest thing for me is just to you know, not say these things. I'll get a lot of criticism. I've made this point a day or two ago, but I'll get a lot of criticism by speaking out on this program about things. And it's amazing how the people who don't like you, they are very vocal. They will all contact you. But the people who do like you, they won't say anything. They'll just let it go. It shouldn't be that way. It ought to be the opposite. Man, if you're enjoying, if you're receiving the truths I'm talking about, let us know. Become a part of it. But what I'm saying is that there are people that they just don't want to suffer that criticism. I don't like it, but it's what God called me to do. God called me to be a watchman on the wall. God called me to be salt and light. And if I truly love you, I'm telling you the truth because I love you. I'm telling you the truth because I've seen what sin can do to people. I've seen it in the Word. I've seen it in people's lives. I've seen people that have just given Satan, I mean, they had every advantage, every good thing going for them, and yet for whatever reason, they just got off the rails and quit following God, and it cost them dearly. I'm telling you the truth because I love you. I encourage you to get these materials. I'm going to let my announcer share with you about how to get these materials 
but I promise you they would help you individually and they would also equip you so that you could go out and share with others. So listen to our announcer and then please call or write today. Andrew's new teaching titled, Where Do We Go From Here? Lessons from the 2020 Elections is available as a CD or DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. Included in this four-part album, you'll also get the America on the Brink panel discussion and Andrew's race relations discussion. The America on the Brink panel discussion includes Andrew Womack, Tony Perkins, E.W. Jackson, General Jerry Boykin, Bill Federer, and Janet Boynes. The race relations panel discussion includes Andrew Womack, E.W. Jackson, and David Barton. Both panels share a biblical perspective on important political matters in our culture today, such as racism, riots, Black Lives Matter, homosexuality, abortion, and more. On today's program, Andrew also mentioned the theatrical DVD titled, In God We Trust. This patriotic DVD features reenactments of significant American historical events, along with inspiring musical numbers. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get these products. While there, you can discover more product details and download additional free resources. Or you can call our helpline at 719-635-1111. Our helpline is open 24 hours a day, Monday through Friday, and from 7.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. Saturday and Sunday. To write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. If you haven't yet partnered with us, I'd like to encourage you to pray about it. And then if the Lord says so, join with us because we are taking the gospel not only through television, but we've got over 70 uh, different locations around the world, offices, I think in 16 different nations. Uh, we have uh, probably 8,000 students going through Karis Bible College at any time with over 8,000 graduates. We're pumping out millions and millions of free material through our website, over 200,000 free hours of material on our website. And we're just reaching all around the world. We couldn't do it without partners. And so I would like to ask you to pray about it. If you want to make a difference, I believe that this is a good ministry. You'll get a great return, not only in heaven, but in this life, you'll receive a hundredfold. So join with us and become a partner with Andrew Womack Ministries today. I tell you, I'm excited. God is going to do something special during these meetings. I felt that he was just speaking truth. The perspective is so different. It's so new and the, the understanding runs so deep. When you start speaking to your problem and commanding it to leave, that's when you start seeing great things happen. Andrew's teaching and the love that he has for God's word and truth, it is the gospel truth. Welcome to the AWM Minute, a small glimpse on how the friends and partners of Andrew Womack Ministries are helping us spread the gospel when the world needs it the most. Though 2020 brought unprecedented obstacles, God's word has remained true and we are now seeing a harvest unlike ever before. Thanks to our friends and partners, we have been able to minister via live stream on a daily basis, expand our phone center to answer a record amount of calls, and have been able to give out free material to thousands of people who have never contacted us before. 
Just like the word promises, what the enemy meant for evil, God turned around for good, and we are excited to see all the great things he has in store for us next. To see the full 2020 annual report video, visit awmi.net today. I want to let you know that we have now started a Karis Daily Live Bible Study. We've been doing a Bible study every Tuesday night live for about two years, but now we have five days a week. We've varied the times so that we can accommodate anybody's schedule, and it's going to really be good. We're going to use our instructors from the school, and it'll be a blessing. So remember, we now have a Karis Daily Live Bible Study five days a week.